0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to We're Watching Here. We're Watching Here. In case you forgot, this is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Michael Keaton to my Ezra Miller. Perry silent <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. All right. I will take that over Ben Affleck, I, absolutely absolutely.
0: There, there was a lot of ground I could have covered because... God, it's going it, to, we have a lot to talk about because it has been three months since we have recorded. A long, long time. Three, the long Oscars months. are exhausting. Nap very afterwards. Tiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I will admit that was totally on me. I, I took a class that I shouldn't have. I uh, went on vacation. I went to jury duty. Uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on, but now I'm back and it, it's just movies all the time. So how are you, Perry? How how's I life? am. I am good.
1: I am well. We are well into the summer season, and I am looking forward to the fall movie season already. <laughs>
0: I, I, you know what, I, I was, I, I, I was going to ask you about that if you ever reach the same point I do, where, uh, it usually isn't until July that I hit this wall, but there usually comes a point in the summer where I am like, do I like movies anymore? <laughs> like, like, it, especially yeah. with the new stuff, it just, it gets so fatiguing. But because if you want to write about stuff that people are going to read, you kind of got to keep up to date with the big stuff. And I've kept up to date with the big stuff and I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Thankfully, now that I am not a full
1: time critic anywhere, I mean, other than a a weekly spot. So I don't have to keep up with everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't suffer from that anymore. But yes, when you have to see everything, yes, I would absolutely hit a point about Late June, mid July you're like, I don't know. No, no yeah. I can't. I can't do another one of these. Give me anything else. Give me anything else. I, I
0: can't watch any more product. There's usually <laughs> the point where I'm just about ready to tell. And I'll tell my wife this every year. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And then the Toronto Film Festival will come around and I'll start reading about that. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, falls on the way. I, I'm excited about fall.
1: So what usually happens for what what used to happen for me of August would come around and that would be the month when they would release the stuff. They weren't sure how to market, but they knew it was pretty good to come out in summer. And there'd Mm. usually be something interesting in August to write about. You just have to get through the end of July. That's when it used to get really, that's, that's, that was the, that was the dog days of movie going summer when I was, I was seeing everything all the time.
0: Well, I'm, I'm not a huge box office nerd or anything, but I've been looking at the box office reports the past few weeks And I feel like the general public is saying all the summer is the dog days now because things are just, like, dropping right and left. Yeah. Um, Which, I I mean, it kind of lines up. Like, I'm kind of encouraged to see that people are like, yeah, we're not going to go see the new Transformers. We're not going to go see the new Flash. We'll go see the new Spider-Man. I'm like, okay, the movies I like, (laughs) you're all liking. (laughs) But, um, you know, the movies I didn't like, you're not tossing a ton of money at, which... Kind of makes me feel like maybe they're listening to critics. I don't know. So I have to ask, since I have not seen it yet. I'm mm-hmm.
1: fascinated with the fact that they have to market this as a giant pole movie without being able to trot the star out
0: there. How is The Flash? Okay. I will say I have a review for it at my newsletter. If anyone wants to, they can go read the full review. Um, so The Flash is weird because it's – It's positioned as this big tentpole that's going to save the DC universe or whatever. And it's this big event. But it's just fine. Like, I didn't hate (laughs) it. I didn't hate it. But I feel like it's marketed as a big event. Like this big multiverse event, which we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, But the best parts of it are actually where it's just a kind of weird comedy. Like, Ezra Miller has done a lot, allegedly done a lot of things that um, I don't endorse, and I totally understand why they need to hide them from the publicity materials. I, I totally get that. It is a weird fact that, that Ezra Miller is very little, in very little of the marketing materials, but the film itself doubles down on Ezra Miller because they're playing two roles for most of the movie they're really good they're they're funny um i'm a fan of i'm a fan of ezra miller on screen yeah i i mean i look back at uh perks being a wallflower i think i i think i named them the uh the best supporting performance of that year i I really like them um you know so the first half is kind of this fun movie it's okay the back half is a mess of like multiverse bullshit that i don't care about yeah um Michael Keaton is a fun. I like Michael Keaton as an actor. I was kind of confused because I'm like, oh, he doesn't seem like he's playing the same Batman. There's th- th- there's something about the character that doesn't feel like it's the same Batman from Tim Burton. Until I remembered, there was no Batman character in the Tim Burton movies. <laughs> <laughs> Burton didn't care about Batman. No, he um, cared about Bruce Wayne. Yes, indeed. But there is a portion in the last half hour where it is basically every version of Superman or Batman that could have existed is on the screen with some of the like most nineties CD-ROM computer effects I've <laughs> ever seen. It's, it's awful. and it, it is. There's another movie playing right down the hall that takes a similar concept and does it really well. And watching the flash, it's just all fan service. It is pelting you with eggs. Like it, yeah. it, it it's just bad. Um I will say if you're a fan of Kevin Smith, there's a story he tells several times that finally gets its uh its little punchline in this movie. I have a feeling and, I know what that is. Yeah, and it's it's fine. Uh the flash is fine. It is Okay. Perfectly mediocre. Thank you. I now feel good about not seeing it yet. Yeah. <laughs> perfectly it, it'll show up on Max in a month or two. And sure. Watch it while you fold your laundry. <laughs> high praise indeed yeah so we are gonna do a supersized summer what we're watching because it's been so long since we've uh we've talked about movies together um also because a little inside baseball we thought this episode might be shortcuts shortcuts is really hard to track down um it is not streaming anywhere so we have one blu-ray of shortcuts between the two of us and we'll have to figure that off offline but we will get around to that. We will. We will. I think we should have a
1: double feature. I think you should come over and we should watch that and Brewster McCloud, which I've had recorded on my DVR since we started this. (laughs) However long ago, we started the Altman stuff.
0: We will make that happen. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um, so why don't we start with you? I've already talked a little bit about The Flash. So uh, why don't you talk about something uh, you've been watching? So I, looking
1: back over everything I've seen since the last time we talked, and there is one film I have seen this year so far. And I, I, I tend to be uh, – my habit is now to not see nearly as much as I probably should at the beginning of the year and catch up with a whole lot later in the year. I, yeah, But I will see – I have seen one thing that um, I don't like to call films perfect. I think that's a really lazy adjective to use. I also think it's not right. There's no such such thing as a perfect film. But if we want to use it in a way that we mean it, that the director and every creative person involved made exactly the right decision to tell the story and make the movie they wanted to make, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret is a perfect movie. (laughs) I, I was utterly, utterly... Utterly Charmed by it uh I love everybody involved in it I love all the people behind the camera I now love everybody in front of and even people I didn't know of before in front of the camera um it's you know you can be reminded why James L. Brooks is really good at his job uh with a movie like this that it's just it is it is beautifully produced it is beautifully directed uh it is it's is exquisitely acted. If you have not seen Are You There God It's Me Margaret yet, oh, do so. I don't care who you are. This is the kind of movie I can recommend to anybody. It's
0: really good. I'm really bummed that I haven't gotten around to this one yet. Uh I think the weekend it came out, I had some time to go to a movie, but I had the kids with me, so we saw Are You There God It's a Me Mario. But uh <laughs> There is no god. It's me Mario. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but I really want to see this. my wife was really curious about this and I was hoping to make a screening happen or a date night happen and it just didn't happen. And then I started reading the reviews. And I'm like, Oh, I really want to see this. So as soon as that hits uh VOD, I'm, I'm picking, I'm hitting that one. It's uh, the tell to watch it until everyone, you know, to watch it. I have heard great things. I, I I've heard really good things. So I will add that to my list. Um, I've seen a lot of the, as we were talking about, I've seen all the big movies this summer, which is just really sapping my will to live. Um, but so <laughs> I, and I don't want to talk about all of them um, because I have reviews elsewhere for Fast X, which is not good and apparently called Fast 10. Um, and not <laughs> not Fast 10, your seatbelts, which is the obvious. That's right why there. not? Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. Um, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So I liked I. it. It was fine. Moving on, we've already talked so, about much the- uh, so much yelling,
1: so much yelling, so much yelling in I Guardians was, Three. So much yelling, Chris.
0: Why are they yelling at each other all the time? Uh, because funny, but like, <laughs> like that's that's what James Gunn does. Is he makes people yell at each other and then I, tortures animals so we feel bad. I had the thought while watching it that we've now reached the point with the
1: summer blockbuster where we have we've managed to cover humans in so many effects that I don't believe they're humans anymore. And at the same time, we've managed to make animals so human. I believe they're human. <laughs> we've crossed some, some line has been it, crossed in a flow chart somewhere and
0: it's, it's not, it's not good. It's not. Good. I will, I will say with guardians of the galaxy, as opposed to, most of the Marvel movies I've seen in the last two years, I actually believed there was a real location with real people on the screen. Um, <laughs> it, the special effects in it were good; it was fine. I like those movies. I like this one. It's it, I saw it. <laughs> you know, uh, we've already talked The Flash. I saw Elemental, which I just do want to say it's not the disaster everyone is saying it is. It's a perfectly fine, serviceable Pixar movie. <laughs> Which is just not what you want from Pixar, right? Like, you want Pixar to push above and beyond. And I will say, the animation is gorgeous. It is worth seeing. In, it's the rare movie worth seeing in 3D. It is a beautiful okay. movie. It might be my favorite, some of my favorite animation they've done. Um, the story is basically a mishmash of Inside Out, Zootopia. Like, it's everything. It It is one big, messy metaphor that doesn't quite work. So... Doesn't deserve, you know, to be the nail in Pixar's coffin, but it's fine. Uh, that's that's pretty much this summer. Everything is just fine. You know, Little Mermaid, it was high praise that it was fine. There was one big movie that I saw that I thought was more than fine. And uh, that's the one I want to talk about. It was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I saw that. Um, which I, I think it was back on our, maybe even our first episode I started talking about how this was my favorite. The first movie was my favorite of 2018. And when we did our best of the decade, I think uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was on my best of the decade list. Don't know that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will make my next best of the decade (laughs) list, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was fun. I thought the animation really just astonished me. Like the amount of different styles and worlds they created. There's a watercolor world that is just... I want to frame that and put it on my walls. <laughs> I like these characters a lot. I like the fact that it's multiverse. It's an excuse to really examine Spider Man and what it means for a person or a horse or a T Rex to be Spider Man. Um, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. It was exciting, and it was half a movie, um, which is yeah. The, the the probably the main thing making me not able to say I loved it as much as the first one is. It's very much the first half of a movie, and I don't know how to really judge that without any resolution, right? Well, it's not even that to me. It's a
1: movie and a half because it does tell the Gwen Stacy story. Mm -hmm. That's resolved, but it spends another 45 minutes of a film that runs, what, 220, 230?
0: It's long. It's way too long,
1: um, you know, to set up the next Miles Morales story. And um, I was angry when I left the theater. <laughs> I was I was very angry that we're not going to result. That you spent me, you made me spend two and a half hours in this world and didn't bother finish telling me the story that you wanted to tell me. Um, and I also, I, I, I agree with, I, I'll co-sign, sign off on everything you said. It is, it is a spectacular looking movie at the same time. The movie it reminded me of was Robert Rodriguez's Sin City, which is one of the few movies in this life that exhausted me. (laughs) Um, I like it, but it's like, it is nothing. Nothing is the same. I have to constantly calibrate what I'm looking at uh, to the point that it's exhausting. It's tiring for someone who is trained to try to watch every single inch of every frame of every movie that goes in front of them. I don't, I don't like, I, I, I like Sin City was exhausting because, uh blood is like eight different colors in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's going... To, I don't know for sure what I'm looking at ever. And I fell into a little bit of that in this. It's all purposeful. I don't mind it. It doesn't feel showy. It's like, oh, let's do this because this is fun and we want to do this. Like, there's, it's all the best intentions behind it. Oh, boy, I would have liked just an hour and a half of the Gwen Stacy story and just give yes, me a little nugget really to good. tie me over. That would have been ideal.
0: Um, but this was... F- this was fine. I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I will say, so I took my kids to see this one Saturday, and when that To Be Continued popped up, <laughs> my daughter, who was not aware that movies could do that, burst into tears because she wanted the happy ending. She wanted it to be, and like, it builds, like, it ends on a cliffhanger. And yes. as a little kid, you want that to be resolved. I knew there was a part three coming or a part two to part two or whatever it is. So I was a little conditioned to be like, yeah, okay, this is where they're going to end it. I might have ended it about 20 minutes earlier. Um, there there was a fine place to end it earlier. That Yes, there was. Uh, and, and it's whatever. I, I'm a little happier to know that the next one is coming in March. So it's not a two year wait, like fast 10 ends with a giant cliffhanger and they haven't even started shooting the next movie yet. And uh, <laughs> apparently the next Mission Impossible is also a part one. So yes, this at is least what they're Mar- up front about it though. Yeah, That is true. Well, this was the, this was originally titled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse part one. And then I think they decided, oh, people don't like going into a movie knowing it's part one. So we're gonna. Yeah, people don't like leaving a movie not knowing it's part one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I liked it. It it is one of my favorite ones this year, but uh, I didn't think it was exhausting. But overwhelming was the word I used. It was. uh, It it definitely. You are struggling to catch everything on the screen. Uh,
1: Tiring, Uh, overwhelming Mm. is is yes. I I I, if I said that, that's a terrible word. I don't mean that. It's just like it's a lot of work.
0: You're the old man, (laughs) so I don't want Spider Man to be that much work. with great work comes great responsibility it's true you. it's very true chris what's <laughs> next for you what else have you seen um i finally got to see master
1: gardener the new oh. film which i uh was very eager for since it won i, I, I can't remember is it venice or berlin last year it won one of them i think it's venice uh i was uh very eager for this it is it does very much feel like uh, the third film in a trilogy. Mm. It feels like First Reformed and The Card Counter and this are all – are all those wonderful subtle mutations on his uh, Man in a Room movies that all find different notes to sound in them and all find different ways to play with the story points and the style elements you expect from those movies. Uh, It's it's the film that made me realize my issues with Joel Edgerton, which is that I think Joel Edgerton is – a, a, a perfectly acceptable, fine actor. Like, I've never caught him being wrong or bad or fake or out of the moment mm-hmm. or unreal. And yet I realized watching this, he has zero charisma. He does not draw <laughs> my eye in the slightest. He's not inherently interesting. Um, and that's, again... Um, I think that's part of the reason Schrader casts him here. This is a character that I think he very much wants that out of. And so it's really good casting. <laughs> so to say it's my favorite film that Joel Edgerton has ever been in is true. Uh, uh, it, is, it is weirdly uh, um, hopeful. <laughs> wow that's, <laughs> that's not what i would have expected of... no yeah. it's not what you expect at all there isn't an... he 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 does something with the end of this movie that is honest and true to all of his man in a room movies but you realize this character is different than all of those other characters in a lot of ways and in subtle ways but in very real and distinct ways that makes this a very different movie than what you'd expect and the other thing i really liked about it chris it's gorgeous And Mm. and Paul Schrader doesn't like usually lean into gorgeous, precise. Absolutely. But um, the flowers are beautiful and they're supposed to be. And there's a reason they're beautiful. He's not just making pretty pictures. This is a character who is trying to get to a place of uh, where he can believe that he is capable of tending and nurturing and making things beautiful. And so it all works. It works beautifully cinematically. It's gorgeous to look at, it and it works beautifully thematically with what he's trying to accomplish in the movie. I, I really liked it. I think it's very good. I don't know that it'll make my top 10 at the end of the year. Is it as good as Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret? No. No, it's not. <laughs> but that said, I'm always happy for a new Paul Schrader film, and I'm really happy when it's a good one, and this is
0: a good one. And that reminds me that I still have not caught up with the card counter. Um, oh. Which I really, I really wanted to like see, the and counter. then... And I think it's been on Max a few times. It is. I, uh, I think it's there. It, yeah. it might still be there. Uh, so I, I should add that. And I should watch that. And I should watch Master Gardener. And uh, I probably Isaac need to give... So uh, I probably should give First Reformed another spin. It's been a few years since that oh, one. But I so really good. liked that one. So uh, good. Well, how did you see that? Is it in theaters? Or did you rent it? Or? It was briefly in theaters. I
1: did end up renting it. I watched it at home. Okay. But it's it's there. And I think it's...
0: At this point, it's like a reason. It's like a seven dollar rental. It's not like a twenty five dollar okay. rental. So, okay, I just did that with another film. We're going to talk about in a little bit. Okay, um, but before that, I'm going to go. I'm going to take a break from talking new movies, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some older ones I've been watching. Uh, one of the things I try to do over at the Criticisms blog is uh, watch older movies. They're not usually that old. Uh, well, okay, I thought they weren't that old until I did the math, and uh, <laughs> I, I thought they were. I thought most of them were not that old because I saw them when I was a teenager and um, turns out I am that old, but uh, <laughs> I really, I, I thought about talking about the noir movie out of the past. Oh, um, but you so can, good, but I talked about that on the scene and believing podcast a few weeks ago. Sure. Uh, and so you can check that one out. It also has my thoughts on fast Um I'm doing a look at, or no, I, I also saw this is the end again recently oh uh, i love I was, that movie too i was i was bored on a saturday i was actually watching the uh, apple show um platonic with seth rogan and rose byrne and i sat down to watch one episode and i got through like three and i realized oh i just really like watching seth rogan and so i was like what else what does netflix have with seth rogan and they have this as the end and i was like Oh, I really like this. It's been a while. And I still really like that. It might be the best faith based movie I've ever seen. And uh, uh, the best I I think the best character introduction I have ever seen goes to Danny McBride in that movie who just really good. Oh, I I, I love that movie so much. Um, Yes. There's so, that movie gets quoted my house often in uh, so many different ways. So good. Uh, I'm doing a <laughs> series on the movies of Summer 93 over at Christisms, um, which has been interesting. Uh, so I saw Cliffhanger, um, which I'm not going to talk about, but it's fine. Uh, I wrote about <laughs> Jurassic Park. But the movie I want to talk about, the movie I found not good, but fascinating to rewatch for the first time since I was a teenager His last action hero. Oh yeah. Um, a movie that I don't know that I've thought about it outside of it being identified as a fiasco for the last 30 years. Like that, that is the movie that is kind of the notorious, one of the most notorious Schwarzenegger bombs. Right. And I remember saw it at 13 in theaters and I, thought it was fine and I never thought about it again um but you know I like John McTiernan I know Shane Black had a hand in that screenplay uh so I was like ah okay this will be one of the ones I I look at because it was a big movie that summer um and I was kind of upset that it wasn't worse uh it's I I was I was upset both that it wasn't worse but also that it wasn't quite good enough that I could say no this is a maligned classic right like it's fine That that's the theme of this episode movies that are (laughs) fine um I think it's very funny in some places I think Schwarzenegger is great um I I think out of like him and Stallone and Willis he understood his like his iconography the most and was able to have the most fun with his persona Um, I think he's funny I just think the movie doesn't know what it's doing. Like there, there's a real question about whether this kid in this movie is sent into an actual action movie or a naked gun parody of an action movie. Um, the, the rules are weird because he's sent seemingly into this one movie, but it's kind <laughs> of maybe all movies because there's a cartoon cat. Um, And it's it's fun. I start to think this is one, maybe it was a little ahead of its time. You had Scream come out a few years later that I think kind of took the concept and did a little better. We had more of a dialogue, but there are things that make me laugh. There is a gag with dogs doing a cheerleader pyramid. It's the dumbest thing in the world. And I cackled for about 30 seconds straight at that. Uh, It's fun. I have not seen
1: it since I saw it in the theater, and I remember that. I remember – I mean, just the – I mean, it was dead on arrival. They Mm -hmm. were going to kill this movie. The buzz on it was just atrocious. And I saw it, and I was like, that's fine. That's that's perfect. I enjoyed that. Like, and I don't enjoy every Schwarzenegger film by any means. That was – that was – like, yeah, it's not – you're right. It's not a maligned classic by any means, but it is – absolutely in death to smoochie territory for me like it's not it's not bad you don't understand it's not bad you, you're, yeah. you're asking for a different movie than what it is what it is is good it's fine i mean i i think death to smoochie is actually better than good or fine i think death to smoochie is very funny i need to see that again <laughs> it's incredibly news. unpleasant it's supposed to be i like death to smoochie uh but that said yes i i i have nothing but fond memories of that movie and I will probably never go back to it. But yes, I have. I I don't think of it nearly as the disaster that it is is remembered as.
0: Yeah, there is a visual gag about who would play uh, the cyborg in Terminator Two in the Arnold movie world, and it's a very fun gag. And I think I I like Schwarzenegger. I don't like everything he's been in by any stretch of the imagination, but. He's like, he's very charismatic. He's he understands his appeal. And I think he understands his limitations too. Um, and he'll make fun of them. Uh, I, I think I also, I, I don't know if I've ever told this on here. I spent an afternoon following Arnold Schwarzenegger around a few years ago. Um, I never got to meet him or talk to him. I was actually, I was working with um, with the army at that point, And it was like an army engineers thing. And so I went to some engineering conference in Detroit, and this is when he was governor of California. So he came in to talk about hydrogen. And it was just so funny to listen to his speech because he was so willing to pepper it with, oh, and I came to Detroit and I said, Detroit is not dead. It's not a tumor. Detroit will be back. (laughs) And then the best part, though, was I had to like I had to follow him so I could alert people if he was coming to our booth. And so I'm standing back and he's coming out of the green room and this guy like walks up to him and wants an autograph. And he just like pushes him out. No, no, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it made me laugh really hard. So the story uh, I always like is
1: um there's a have you ever seen Stay Hungry? It's a Bob Rafelson film from the I think 76 or 77, maybe 75. I have not. Um it's one of it's it's Arnold's first like real movie. Okay. Okay. Um, and he's he's uh he's a tertiary character at best. He's in it, but he's not the star of the movie. It's a Jeff Bridges' Sally Field. Um it's a good movie, check it out. That said, there's a story that Rafelson told over and over. Uh, Jeff Bridges used to tell it. Uh about how Rafelson would say that they'd be making this movie and everybody would be hanging out and it was very 70s and there's Schwarzenegger on set with like his business textbooks from he was taking classes at USC and uh, Bridges went over to Rafelson and said, what's up? What's up with Schwarzenegger? And he said, Rafelson took a beat, looked at him and said, he's probably the smartest person on this set. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've always remembered about, about Schwarzenegger. Yes. All of what we're
0: saying proves this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so last action here, it's on Netflix till July 1st. If any of you want to go check it out, um, which you know what, if you have time to kill, you could do worse. It's, it's perfectly fun. <laughs> what else you got for me, Perry? Uh,
1: I will. Well, you went old movies. I tell you what, I'll go small screen. Okay. I had the weirdest experience of my TV watching life uh, last month when, mm-hmm. in a period of less than 72 hours, three of the best shows on television of a single time all aired their final episode. Yes. <laughs> when Maisel, Barry, and Succession all ended in a, in a very brief window. Um two of them having absolutely spectacular final seasons that were a beautiful exclamation point on the grand achievements of the shows. And the other one being uh, very interesting and worth talking about. I I, I find it to be lesser than the other two in the grand scheme of things. And that's like saying, you know, the fourth best pizza I ever had wasn't as good as the first or second best pizza I ever had. So, you know, this is high praise for all of them. Um, It is rare to see shows go out that strong it's incredibly rare to see two of them go out so strongly um and i will give full credit to succession for feeling like and it couldn't have been but feeling like the entire show was written to get to that final episode Mm. it does feel like one giant arc and it works beautifully and it works so well that there's no reason there can't be more of it I think he's perfectly willing and interested and capable of revisiting any or all of these characters in whatever period of time he would care to. Um, I, 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 I have become a huge Succession fan <laughs> after this year, especially, which I think is the best year they've done.
0: I've heard that. And I don't know why I haven't watched Succession. I like Adam McKay. Um, I, I like watching shows about bad people, uh, kind of <laughs> despicable people. I think when that first season came out, I wasn't really paying much attention and the reviews were kind of mixed that first season. And so I never got on it. And then it just fell behind, but I'm still waiting to pull the trigger on the last season, of the Sopranos, but I'm starting to think I might do succession before I, cause I kind of want to keep Sopranos there. I don't want that one to be over yet either. So uh, I, I might have to do succession. I, yeah, I, I've heard it's, so many good things.
1: It's real good, and it's a show that gets better as it goes. And okay. it's real good out the gate, but I think it gets better and deeper as it goes.
0: Okay. How about Maisel? Maisel's freaking brilliant. My
1: wife, <laughs> my <laughs> wife I, I loved that. I, I have been all in on that show. I I talked about this on another podcast I did recently. That the first episode of Maisel is as good a season one, episode one that you'll ever like that show did not have to find its voice. That show had its voice from second one of the first show. It knew exactly what it was going to do. And that's all the more impressive because it is about a character who is a performer who is finding their voice. And I don't know how they managed to pull that off. (laughs) <laughs> That's, that doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever. And they've done it. Uh, They've done it to perfection. Uh, Yes. Mais, the finale of Maisel is so good that Amy Sherman Palladino gets away with three endings. And they're all good. I'm like, I understand why you didn't want to kill any of them. It would have been brave to kill two of them and let, land on one note. But you hit all three of those final
0: notes. So I'm going to let you go. I really enjoyed it. That's another show that I don't know how I'm not... like. It's been on in our house. my And I think that might be the problem is my wife has watched it and her and I have very different approaches to TV. Like I very much prefer the weekly release where I can watch one show a week, maybe two episodes <laughs> if I have some time. But I don't want to just I, I hate the binge model. It just wears uh-huh. me out. She can binge, like she will watch three or four episodes in a sitting. And so I think she binged through Maisel and I never got through it, but I'm like. Why haven't I? Because it's a show that's acclaimed for its writing, which is something that I'm usually very attracted to. I'm also fascinated by comedy. So, and like stories of comedians. So I don't know why I haven't watched this one yet, except that I have not watched this one yet. You will love it when you get to it. And it is a show that
1: actually benefits from taking some time between episodes. They're dense episodes. Okay. And, it's, and it is a it is a pace that would be exhausting to watch five or six episodes in a row. It's just, okay. it, it's that rapid fire, Amy Sherman Palladino dialogue. and You don't want to, unless it is your comfort world and you know it by heart already, if you're really just paying attention and watching it for the first time, it's okay. It's okay. Go slow. Pace it out. That's the
0: way to go. And we've both seen Barry. So let's talk a little bit about Barry because I think right. I I think I agree with you that I really enjoyed this final season. But I felt like there were some big swings that didn't. There were a lot of attempted home runs that might have been doubles. Um that didn't quite work for me. Worked well enough, and the cast is so incredible that. I liked it, but something just didn't connect. And it's mostly things that happen in the back half of the season. I would mostly agree. Uh, my biggest complaint
1: with it is that like season, th- I don't remember where Sally is at the end of season three. This, so this, that's my one caveat to saying this is I felt like three ends on the perfect note to end the series on. Yes,
0: yes. Like, I don't,
1: Like I don't know how you improve that. That's exactly right. Um, And I feel like this whole, if I were being uncharitable, and I don't really think this, but I thought it, (laughs) is that this entire season felt like a sizzle reel for Bill Hader to get a job as a director Mm. when he'd already accomplished that. Like the, the series takes no chances visually that he didn't already take. Yeah. Like during the run of the show. So it's like, well, now what are you doing? Why are you continuing this story this way? And while I didn't, I did, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the season. It really did. It's not the same show anymore at all. Like no, it's not, no, no, it's no. not, it's not funny anymore. It's not laugh out loud funny. You know, there are, yeah, there are a couple of gags. They're very funny, but it's not laugh out loud funny anymore. It's just dark. It's just dark. And that's and 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 it's a problem you have with a lot of shows like this where I think early on you are su- you are supposed to sympathize with Barry at some level and Barry is it's impossible to sympathize with him by the yeah. end of season three. And and it doesn't it kinda wants to run with that. Haters interested enough in trying to think about doing that, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> He still kind of wants you to be okay with Barry. (laughs) And I'm not willing to go there anymore with the story that you've told me to this point. Like I'm I'm all good sticking with guys I'm not supposed to like. That's not the issue. The issue is I don't – I couldn't find a compelling reason for this season to exist. And I will gladly say that that is in large part because – I was watching Mazel in Succession and Unison. Like, sure. Which were which were landing the plane to glorious fanfare. Like they they nailed it. And so it's really hard not to have uh, having seen them so close together to not compare them. And I, I feel bad about that for Barry. But that's where I am with the last season of Barry, which
0: is really good. Watch it is. It. It, it's Barry. really well done. I there is a there is a gag in one of the last episodes involving a rocket launcher and yes! one shot. <laughs> That is both like one of the best composed shots I've seen, and it made me laugh so hard. Uh, it is, it is the one moment this season that goes into sheer Bugs Bunny territory. Yes, um, and, and I liked um, that too. There's another one. That's one, but there's another one.
1: Okay. The sand. Probably... The sand. Oh yes, yes. The sand is absolutely Bugs Bunny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, had... Oh, Hank
0: goes full Looney Tunes in this season. Yes. I, I, I agree with what you're saying about Barry that the show doesn't quite commit to whether he's a villain or an anti-hero, or whether it's supposed to feel bad, or he I I feel I agree with you that he kind of goes into Walter White territory where by the end of the show I want him stopped, and I don't think the show quite feels that way. Like they they like him still, and I'm like, but he's not good. Um my bigger problem was just I thought some of the stuff there is a time jump about halfway through the last season. Yeah. And there is one episode in particular where I felt like I got whiplash cuz I'm like I don't know what I'm watching right now and it's so dark and sad with none of the levity and that kind of that kind of took me out of it. The final 10 minutes of the show hinge on the emotion of a character that we just met a few episodes before but is now played by a completely different actor who um, I had a, I had a hard time just emotionally connecting with that character who has basically the final moment of the series. Yes, um, That was odd.
1: Yes. And- I didn't know how I don't, it felt like they were saying something and I don't know what they were saying. Like it's not an ambiguous ending. I can, yeah. I love an ambiguous ending, but I think that that character is getting some sort of closure from this experience, and that's that is so grossly cynical that it underdoes a lot of what this what made this show interesting for its first two seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Stephen Root this season, oh my gosh! Uh, He's a God. He's just God. so good. Everyone was good. Sarah Goldberg continued to be good. Uh, Anthony Carrigan has a moment in the finale that is just wonderful, like wonderfully acted. Uh, yes, I, I liked Barry. Didn't love the last season, but I liked it more than most of what I've seen on TV. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. I had I had a, a, an interesting TV experience. Um, have you seen the show Jury Duty? I have not. Okay. Uh, so Jury Duty is an Amazon show. And coincidentally, it was released the same time I was actually serving three days on Jury Duty. Um, <laughs> so I a- after I got out of there, I was like, oh, well, Jury Duty was an interesting experience. Maybe at Jury Duty, the show will be. Uh, and it is a really fun little show. It's not great. It's not hilarious. But the concept works so much better than I was afraid it would. Um, so this is a show that is basically... I would just say it's The Office Meets the Truman Show, uh, and that is a mockumentary about people on jury duty. Okay. But the twist is that one of the jurors does not know that this is what it is. He is a real person who has signed up for what he thinks is a documentary about being on jury oh. duty. And I know, I knew that's how you were going to react. No, because we've talked about I, the this is Chilton. like Windy City Heat. No, um, no, I don't like this. What I will say is what I appreciated about this show is first off, they lucked out casting this guy um, who is just incredibly chill and good the whole way through, like a good stand-up person. And the show, very smart. It's from people who wrote on The Office. Um But it very smartly understands that the joke is never on this guy. Uh, They never do anything to make him look stupid. They never do anything to make him the butt of the joke. It's all the craziness that's unfolding around him. And then the whole final episode is really a celebration of how they pulled it off and how crucial this guy's actions were to just, like, making him look like a good guy who did the right thing with all these dilemmas they throw at him. Um, It's fun. It's entertaining. I, I had a good time with it. The thing that singles it out though, is he's in an, he's in an LA jury pool, which of course opens it up that, you know, there could be celebrities in there. Sure. They cast James Marsden to play himself. And it is one of the, weirdest funniest (laughs) performances i i like james Marsden in comedy a lot like i remember they tried to make him into a you know action star movie hero for a bit and i was like i'm not having it but but he's a funny guy um and he's very funny and just plays the biggest douchebag version of himself (laughs) um constantly asking you know if anyone has seen sonic the hedgehog uh you know the learning that the guys watched one of his movies well well did you rent that or was it available on streaming because you know i get a bump back <laughs> if it's so it's jury duty it's on amazon um it's it's not the nathan fielder version of this which would be very awkward and cringy okay it is the goofy sitcom version of this um yeah, it's okay. worth a look if it's not someone's thing it's not going to change anyone's mind about the genre but it, it's fine All right. do you have any other movies uh, I don't think I feel a burning need to get out about
1: i I mean I could talk about how Bo is afraid is still terrible and still probably the best <laughs> film that wondering. guy's made so far um i i Bo's afraid is a, a, a utter waste of time, but I feel it's more honest than Ari Aster's other two pieces of crap so i i, I you know he's improving without still being
0: interesting or coherent that's fine. <laughs> I wanted to see that, but I also it's three hours long and life is short. It but, uh, is. Boy, is it? <laughs> and it is. And me and Joaquin Phoenix, I go back and forth on him. There are some performances. I love him. There are other performances where his tortured, anxious dude is kind of a tick. I've seen a lot. So, and I've <laughs> I, seen, I've seen Synecdoche, New York. This looks very similar. Oh, uh, yes and no. Okay. I mean, it, it ain't
1: near as good as that. Okay. It ain't nowhere A few near things out. Fair, fair. Uh, I am, uh, that's probably the reason I thought I would give this one more chance is because of Joaquin Phoenix, who I okay. pretty much would watch do anything. I will I will watch that mind go. I, I am fascinated by the choices he makes. I mean, in scripts and I mean, with characters. I, I like Joaquin Phoenix. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this has nothing to do with him. This doesn't feel like a movie anybody can act in. This is Ari Aster is just doing things to people, which is what Ari Aster does.
0: I still have not seen an Ari Aster film because um well a lot of it is your uh, <laughs> your your recommendations are <laughs> not my, or my vehement disgust? But yes. also the type of horror he usually does is just not my bag. Just yeah. I don't know. I've been curious about this one. I I I've, I might still check this one out from the comfort of my own home. This is this is much more honest about what okay. really
1: bothers him. And what his obsessions are. And so I really did. I much preferred this to the first two. I'm not saying I liked it or I think it's good, but I do think it's
0: honest and I will always reward that. Okay. Well, I got two more things. If you got the time.
1: Sure. All right.
0: All right. It's been a while. So the first is I've been really obsessed about this, uh, this new subgenre coming out of movies recently, we've run out of IP and now we're making the movies about making the IP. Uh, yes. Which, which is a weird subgenre to be in. It is the celebration of making stuff, celebrating yeah. things. That Capitalism make, rules. Yeah. yeah. Things that make people a lot of money. Um, yes. So there've been four movies out about this, this year already. I will say I have not seen Flamin' Hot. Maybe I will, but the fact that it's basically not, based on a true story kind of keeps me away from that um, I saw Tetris which suggests that Tetris ended the Cold War um, and it's sure it, it's not a great sure. movie yeah. Taron Edgerton is fine in it but uh, the one the only success it had was that it made me download Tetris on my phone and I've been playing Tetris <laughs> a lot lately That's um, all they wanted to do I really liked Dare it was fine it was fun I, it was I, very I, enjoyable it, it, it's a very funny movie Um, And it would have been my favorite of this genre, except this weekend, I sat down and I watched Blackberry, uh, (laughs) which I swear when it was announced, I thought it was a parody of all these other movies, uh, (laughs) because it's like, you know, Air Jordan shoes make billions of dollars, Tetris ends the Cold War, Blackberry, we all had one at one point. um, (laughs) And I really liked this movie. I need to look up who the director of this was because it's escaping me. Um, But this is really, this is about the rise and fall of the BlackBerry Corporation, which at Mm -hmm. one point was responsible for 45% of the market share for cell phones. Mm -hmm. And today, as the final, uh, as the final postscript of the film says, they are responsible for zero of the market share in the cell phone industry Uh, this is directed by matt johnson a director i am unfamiliar with but he also has a role in the movie um this stars jay barakell as the engineer who first has the idea to put a computer inside of a phone uh it's always sunny in philadelphia's glenn howerton plays the kind of a a moral businessman who decides he's going to team up with these guys, basically comes in and takes over their company um, and has to deal with their nerd culture. Uh, Carrie Elwes is in this uh, in a role. Um, this is just a fascinating movie. I, <laughs> I it, it, it's, it's very funny, but in a different way than Air. Whereas Air, I felt like it was building to its funny moments, and it was made to be a very entertaining movie, and I think it is. Uh, Blackberry... The comedy comes out of the characters and the situation, this kind of culture clash. But it's also this feeling of desperation, just this this constant having to think on your feet to figure out the technology, figure out the marketing, and being smart enough to do all that and to foresee this need, but not smart enough to see the threat that came when the iPhone came along. And it Mm -hmm. follows it through that, which none of these movies do. These movies all end on the big success story. It made billions of dollars, made a lot of executives very happy. Um, and Blackberry actually follows it through the fall, uh, which I thought was fascinating. Um, I love watching people. Well, I love watching movies about people who are really good at their jobs. Uh, yes. That is that is fun. That is why I like Moneyball. It's a big part of why I liked air so much. Blackberry is the same thing. It is people who are good at their job. Even if what they're good at kind of makes me sick to my stomach, um, <laughs> Glenn Howard. I don't know if you're an "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" fan. Um, I
1: have never watched a second of it. Not,
0: I'm okay. not, not, not,
1: by, not by like I'm never going to watch that. I just never watched it.
0: Okay, I am. I would not call myself a super fan by any means. I've seen. Several episodes, but it's been on for 16 years. I've probably seen 5% of the episodes. Gotcha. But I always love Glenn Howerton on that show. There's a show where everyone is a horrible person, and uh, the fun is watching how horrible they are and how much it bites them in the ass at the end. Um, But there's always this intensity that Glenn Howerton brings to his role. It's kind of probably like the worst of this group. And he (laughs) is so dialed in here as the foul-mouthed executive who just... Whatever he's going to do, whatever it takes to make sure he makes a billion (laughs) dollars and he's really good. He's hilarious. Uh, He makes me very uncomfortable. He's just got this, this really intense stare in his eyes. Uh, Jay Barakal, who is also in uh, this is the end, which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's really good as the engineer who has all these principles about how business should be conducted and how to make a quality product but in order to have a successful product, he has to compromise those. And it is so interesting to watch. It's so well written. Uh, it is one of my favorite movies of this year. I, I really like Blackberry. All right. It sounds like if only
1: Air had been about David Falk. If Air had just been about Cena, <laughs> Oh we'd my gotten, gosh.
0: The Christmasina character would have gotten there, right? And and I feel like this. Like I I, I feel like this hurt Air in my estimation, even though. Air is such an entertaining movie. It is so much fun. Uh I had a great time watching that one.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It made me not regret I was watching a movie about an advertising executive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. 100%. So those are movies. But I also wanted to see if uh you had some time to do a book report, Perry, because while I was on vacation, I read Quentin Tarantino's Cinema Speculation and I know you had read it as well. And uh I don't know how much I have to say on it, except that I really liked it. Yeah, read it. It's, yeah, worth, it's, it's worth reading. He's he's a very good critic. He. Uh, I remember we talked about the novelization he did for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And I was not as high on that as you were. And I remember reading the book and he would go off on all these long digressions about often fake characters, filmographies. Um, Or he'd, you know, toss in some stuff about real characters, real people's filmographies, or maybe real people's fake filmographies. Yes. And I remember reading that thinking, man, I really just want Quentin Tarantino to write a book about film. And he has. (laughs) And the thing is, is I wasn't quite sure what to expect. So I can't say this is exactly what I expected. It is exactly what I hoped for in that. He doesn't suddenly adopt like an academic voice. It is Quentin Tarantino's voice. Um, You know it's him. It's that rambling, very casual, sometimes very inappropriate style of writing. Um, And he's not writing about elite prestige movies. He is writing about the movies Quentin Tarantino loves that fascinate him. And that is everything from Taxi Driver, to Rolling Thunder, to, uh, there's a bunch I'm forgetting, but Deliverance is in there. Um, I had, this was, I could not put this one down. This was a fun read. Yeah, it's incredibly enjoyable. And it is obviously
1: uh, a lot of, had you listened to uh, the podcast he does? Mm -mm. It's really good. I, I recommend it. Okay. I, I, I am a Quentin fan. Yes. Uh, the podcast he does with uh, is, is, is very good. And they did a whole two-part final set of episodes for their first season uh, that was a, a look back at the career of Rick Dalton, who I don't know if you realized passed away earlier this year.
0: <laughs> Rest in, in peace. Hawaii. Um,
1: <laughs> and they did it like absolutely straight-faced. Like they're just not, it's remarkable to hear them play in this universe. If you are if you've been listening to the show and understood how well the people on the show talk with each other already, you know that they didn't script this entire thing. You know that there were points, that there were there were names that everybody agreed mm-hmm. upon. And you can still hear it when somebody on the show like adds to the lore. And Quentin appreciates it and giggles. You can tell the giggle is half in the moment because he's so happy that this is now part of the lore of this character that he's created and that it fits with the show. It's it's uh, it's it's Quentin's universe. I would much rather play in it than Wes Anderson's. We should... So I don't
0: know if you've heard, uh, Tarantino's next movie is called The Movie Critic. And the original rumors coming out where that it was about Pauline kale which, okay, I, I'd watch that. That might be interesting. But then I started hearing more information was coming out. I think he was at Cannes that he was talking about it. And uh, it actually seems to be based on a critic who wrote film reviews in the 70s for a uh, an X-rated magazine. And listening to that description, I was kind of like, oh, is this the film version of Cinema Speculation? Is this <laughs> like like that is the world this book is written in and, and what he's interested in
1: that's uh, distinctly possible he's talked about this and you know and now i've since i listened to the podcast which is the video archives podcast by the way i don't think i said the name of the show uh and read the book i cannot remember he's talked about this guy i think it's in the book but i don't remember um so yeah so i'm obviously this is feeding all his obsessions of the moment so he is he is all in on this. And I, I expect this to be out and in theaters, uh, what, 20, 2015, probably, right? 2015? would be my guess.
0: We're in 2023. Ah, sorry, 2025. Okay. I live in the oh, yeah, past. That's about right. Yes, 2025. Uh, well, one thing I thought was interesting was I know Paul Schrader uh, was contacted by Tarantino to see, hey, can I use. Um, can I use your script for I think it was Rolling Thunder in my movie, but can I change some things? And having <laughs> read the book, I'm like, oh, I know what he's changing. He's going to do the the whole <laughs> original ending for that. Uh, and I'm like, what is this movie? Because is he going to have Will Taxi Driver be directed by Brian De Palma in in yes. this universe? Uh, it, it's like his own little multiverse universe.
1: Oh, it it always has been. Yeah, it has been from the beginning. I like the theory that that's why all the people that like are after world war ii in the tarantino universe are all movie culture obsessed because of the ending of inglorious bastards it was movies that blew up <laughs> Hitler, so movies are held up as the highest of possible of all art forms in this universe oh yes i've read this theory <laughs> i haven't heard that there that is fascinating. Yeah. yes yep. yes it is um, wow yeah i'm more than i'm more than happy to play in quentin's universe like i said i'm i'm Whatever he wants to do, I'm not saying it'll be it'll be fantastic or brilliant, but I'm willing to follow
0: i i i I trust him and I really don't want him to retire after ten, but if he keeps writing books after that, I'll read them i'll be very happy to read them,
1: which is what he wants to do eh, I think deep down that's really what he wants to do. He wants to just you know stay stay in Israel six months out of the year, come back six months out of the year to make sure that the new beverly's okay and and write which he can do anywhere and watch his kid grow up and make sure that the kid gets the exact right movie education i'm sure that's all he wants to do at this point good for him
0: exactly if if, if he wants to turn his kid to any anything other than himself for uh for inspiration he can just have him listen to our podcast exactly precisely quentin well it was very fun to catch back up and uh We will not keep you all hanging three months for the next episode. Uh, I sure hope not. We will figure out whether the next one is going to be Altman um, or when we fit that in, but we will do something in the next few weeks to talk about. Maybe we finally have to hash out Wes Anderson uh, in the coming weeks.
1: Maybe we will do that. Maybe we will make Asteroid City a
0: priority for both of us. I'm going to see it this weekend, so maybe uh, maybe we do that. So so stay tuned. We will have something coming up. In the meantime, Perry, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday in the Lucy and Lance show. You can hear
1: me often uh, at the Cathode Ray Mission radio show. Uh, friday nights uh on the online just search cathode ray mission we just did an episode where we wrote we did go through all of barry Mm. (laughs) Uh, and we've got an episode a week from this coming friday so that's the 30th uh we're gonna uh he's having some people on and ask people to pick some of their favorite pilot episodes so we're gonna talk about great pilot episodes in television history uh which is fun to do and yeah you can you know always fry me I, I wish that there was i know there's Letterbox, but i really wish there was like a criterion social media site that i could just hang out
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah that would be nice a uh, letterboxd is fan. are you on letterboxd i am not i'm bad oh, about letterboxd, letterboxd I, is so much fun. i love letterboxd it's it's really helpful in keeping my end of the year list but it's also just a really really fun tool for me when i just get out of a movie to uh it, it's kind of my rough draft thoughts and uh Exactly. It's fun. You should do that. that. Works. Um, How about you, Chris? Where can we read you? Oh, you can find me at Cinema Nerds with a Z, which is where I review new releases. I think I have reviews up of... Uh, what were the last two I did? Oh, I did The Little Mermaid, uh, which is fine. Uh, I did <laughs> uh, Elemental, which is fine. fine. Um, I'm hoping that the next movie I review is better than fine, but we'll see. Uh, But you can also subscribe to my newsletter, criticisms.substack.com. That might be where you found this podcast. So uh, you might've already found your way there. July 1st, I am offering the opportunity for there to be people to support the site, in which case you'll get a few more extra articles. So um, keep an eye on that. Otherwise, There's always something free up there. I'm going through a series on the movies of Summer 93 right now. Uh, So, yeah, subscribe to that. Find me on Twitter at Mere Christianity, and um, I think that covers it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds Uh, good. We'll be back in a few weeks talking about something. Maybe it's Wes Anderson. Maybe it's Robert Altman. Maybe it's The Flash. It's not going to be The Flash. It's not going
1: to be The Flash. It's not. (laughs) It's just not going to be The Flash.
0: All right. Until then, I will see you, Perry. Take care, Chris.